Richard was arrested at 16. 15 hours after he got out of a juvenile facility, he was arrested for murder and given 99 years. <laughs> wow. All right. So somewhere along the road, you know, somebody invited him to the Emmaus walk in prison. He said, no, that's your Jesus. Leave me alone with your Jesus. And he ran smack dab in the middle into Jesus and uh, he got out. He followed a Facebook suggestion for a Facebook dating app and he found the love of his life. And there's a twist to that too. You don't want to miss this. Stay tuned. We're doing a background check on Richard, Lisa, and Sophia. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down. No. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast, where we believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. Uh, what are some ways that your background is paying you back? Can you think of any? Uh, as always, brought to you by Forgiven Felons. And I uh, also want to mention a, a partner of ours, a monthly partner of ours, Clarity Roofing and Solar. Uh, I tell you what, man, if you if you need a new roof or you think your uh, the recent storm or any storm has been uh, has affected your roof, you need to call. Uh, you need to get a hold of Clarity Roofing. I'll put a I'll put a link in the show notes on the show page. And uh, just give them a call. There's nothing. Inspection's free. Nothing wrong with getting your roof checked out by some good, honest people. They uh, they believe in second chances. They believe in uh, what we do here at Forgiven Felons. And um, the owner's a Steeler fan like me, you know, so he's doubly blessed. But don't let that hold you back. But anyway, so uh, as always, brought to you by Forgiven Felons as well. So uh, today uh, I want to get into it because the interview's over an hour or so. But I do want to give a shout-out to a couple people michael etchison boy you rocked my world with that story i may have to i don't know i may yeah we're gonna find a way to publish that or put it i don't know man you had me balling you had my wife balling you had my mom balling because you're talking about you know my dad is her her husband and so but thank you mike can't wait to hug your neck when i get up there uh september 14th um at the northeast correctional correctional center in uh in, there in missouri guys i'm coming Get ready. Uh, I heard that uh, it's going to be decorated NFL theme, so I might, I just might wear my Pittsburgh Steelers jersey. Uh, yeah, the Bumblebee one. Yeah. So, um, but I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to meeting all you guys. And I think we're going to set up a, I think, I think we're going to set up a service um, to talk to all you guys. So, looking forward to that whole trip, man. And uh, I'm very excited about that. But Michael, thank you for, thank you for that, man. I appreciate that. I got another shout out uh, to Brenda, Brenda Williams. You know what? It says Gatesville doesn't doesn't list the unit. Uh, you're probably oh, uh, Lane Murray's the only one that's got. So yeah, I'm sure it's Lane Murray. Brenda, what is, what's your last name? Hang on, uh, Williams. What a great letter! Thank you so much for letting me know how the the first things first uh, episode has truly inspired you and uh, love your story. And I'm I'm behind you all the way. 
I am behind. We are behind you all the way, and you you keep going and connect connect with us when you get out. ForgivenFelons.org. Uh, if you want to write us and and share with us where you're listening from, uh, Forgiven Felons, PO Box four two eight three. That's PO Box four two eight three, Cedar Hill, Texas. Cedar like the tree, C E D A R, and then Hill H I L L like Hank Hill, uh, Texas seven five one zero six. Write us. Give us a shout. Let us know. If a specific podcast episode has impacted your life in some way, a uh, couple things we don't do: we don't send you money, we don't uh, we don't have time to do all the uh, shopping around and and sending you stuff, guys. I'm so sorry about that. Uh, when you do get out, you know, man, give us a call. Uh, we'll we'll mentor by text, mentor by email, Zoom calls, all that stuff. But uh, we do have a lot on our plate here. Once we get the resource center going, we might be able to correspond with you guys better and, and do some stuff. But right now, it's just where we're at. So, but Brenda, thank you for writing in. Uh, uh, we appreciate it. Well, let's get to the uh, guys. North Texas Divinity is coming up. We want to reach 100K so I can give my truck away that night. So y'all be praying about a North Texas Giving Day. Uh, we we do believe there's some uh, some wood and leather arts and crafts in Texas prisons and uh, and Missouri that are going to be donating um, to our to our fundraiser. Listen, if you're if you're a prison and you have arts and crafts that you want to donate to our fundraiser here in Texas and Dallas, the Dallas area, um, man, ship it to that PO box. Uh, we got a whole box from the wind unit one year and, um, but yeah, ship it to that PO box and, uh, and, you know, shoot us a little story of what inspires you to create the way you do. And, uh, we'll give you a shout out and credit for that. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, uh, anything that we can do to help y'all get involved, I know tithing and giving offerings is kind of tough in there, but anything we can do to help you guys out, we want to be able to do that. And, um, you know, and if you can give to a good cause at the same time. So, um, all right. Well, I, I don't know if I have any more announcements, but uh, we got to get to this interview. It's a good one. It's a family. Richard, uh, Lisa, his now wife, they got married July 30th. And then um, their daughter, Sophia. It's just an incredible story, man. I've known Richard for a while, you know, going in with the Mike Barber Ministries at the Wind Unit. And, um, just to see what he's done, man. He, he learned how to work on diesel mechanics there, and now his job is working on diesel mechanics. So literally his background's paying him back. Uh, and then he met his wife, Lisa. They, they No one even knew that there was a Facebook dating, uh, and, and it, I guess they just suggested to each other, hey, why don't y'all you know, get to know each other? And they did, and uh, it's a great story. The first few days. De- <laughs> excuse me the first few dates are amazing and um and then but we also get to listen to uh 12 so, year old Sophia they gave us permission and they encouraged her to share her feelings and how um because here's the deal <clears throat> man I got something in my throat I'm sorry y'all uh Lisa's daughter is in prison and Sophia is is Lisa's granddaughter so it's Sophia's mom that's in prison and and Lisa is raising the, I think the five kids. So, but now she gets help with Richard who did time in prison himself. Just a great story. You're going to love it. You're going to be encouraged by it. So, uh, here we go. Richard, Lisa, and Sophia, Richard, Lisa, and Sophia. Welcome to background check podcast. Hi. Amen. Thank you. Wow. Okay. I haven't had this many people on mic since Reggie and Michelle's interview on episode nine. There we go. That's my big brother. 
and we had oh my gosh i had like two people sharing one mic we were swinging the mics over and we were like because i mean we had reggie michelle and then you had his uh his dad and stepmom and so then there was some i think there was there somebody else there that day but i was like oh gosh how do i do all this you know and that was like my ninth episode so i wasn't really i wasn't very good at it yet you know and so it's like i had to it was it was fun, but thank you all for being here. So, uh, just real quick, just go through, give introductions. Richard, tell me who you are now, what you do, and uh, and, and and we're not going to get into a background check yet. Just tell me who you are now, what you do. Uh, my name is Richard Smith. I'm 49 years old, and um, I work at Pontywood Sanitation as a diesel mechanic. Where'd you learn to work on diesels? Inside, inside really? prison. Yes, are you sir. serious? Yes, sir. At at the wind unit. Yes, sir. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a skill I learned in prison is paying the bills now. Wow. Literally, your background is paying you back. Absolutely. absolutely. That's what our motto is here at Background Check, is your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the felon part is not holding you back. No. Because the felon part, you learned a new skill, and now it's paying you back. Yes, sir. That's great. I love it. Okay, so you've been out of prison how long? I got out February 16th, 2021. So. All right. A little over a year? Yes, sir. And uh, how long were you in? 31 years. I'm sorry, what? 31 years. 31 years? And how old are you? I'm 49. So you went in how old? I was 16 when I went in. You're one of those second lookers, huh? Yes, sir. We're gonna, I think we're going to get it next session. I hope so. I, I mean, so. It, the door's already open. I know. know. I know. We gotta. We just got to We gotta supernaturally get that veto power out of there. Yes, sir. Yes, I, sir. Think, I think God's going to somehow supernaturally orchestrate everything get the because there were some there were some concerns you know retroactive concerns uh and so you know but hopefully everybody moody and everybody who's in charge of the bill mm-hmm. will know how to construct it in a way where they can't do that they can't right. pull that anymore so yeah because i know uh during the last legislative session i actually went there and uh, i know spoke, yeah spoke I saw the, the picture and it was it was a really really eye-opening experience you know because i was fresh out of prison and uh, you know, we thought that it wasn't going to be possible because I was on an ankle monitor and stuff and I couldn't go anywhere. Yep. And the Friday before, uh, God removed my ankle monitor after 88 days. and Which is another miracle. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, I got friends that, you know, have been on the monitor three years, four oh, years, yeah. whatever. And so 88 days, they took the monitor off. And the next Wednesday, I was on my way to Austin, you know, to speak to senators yeah i love it i love it uh so what else do you do what since you've been out anything uh skydiving skydiving what'd you think of that oh man it was awesome it was it's you know it's one of them things that i've always wanted to do and me and lisa woke up and it was like what do you want to do today and i said well i'm gonna go skydiving and she was like what i said i'm gonna go skydiving i've always wanted to you know it's my bucket list and so she was like, all right, let's go. Wow, that's she great. Said, she said, where are you going to go? I said, well, I found a place right here in Woodville. She said, Woodville? Yeah, I didn't even know there was a place there. I said, well, I didn't either, but Google, <laughs> Google showed great. me. <laughs> that is great. Okay, so you, you mentioned Lisa. So, Lisa, tell us who you are and how you know this this good-looking guy. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to your story about all that in a little bit, but just tell us. Tell us real quick, like how you met him and, and uh, what you do now. Um, I'm Lisa Simpson. I'm a medical assistant phlebotomist 
and we actually met online on Facebook dating. Okay. All right. Yay, Facebook dating. Yes. Sir. I didn't even know that existed until yeah. I started hearing some people talk about it. Yeah, we didn't. Neither did <laughs> It was a God thing. Yeah. That's what it was because yeah. I did not do a, a profile or anything and it just went up and it just happened. Yeah. So, so, so. Facebook, which can be something bad at times, uh, God can also use as a tool for good. Yes, sir. So, that's great. What uh, And where do you, you said you're a phlebotomist? Yes, sir. What exactly is that? I draw blood and process blood. And okay. All right. Specimens. All right. That's awesome. All right. We have a, we have a, a girl sitting next to you, a young lady. Yeah. And uh, tell us who you are. Um, I'm Sofia Zapata. Um, I don't work and I'm 12. 12? Okay. All right. Why aren't you working? I was working when I was 11. Because. Huh? Come on. Get up there in the yard and do something. I can't. Fu- <laughs> <laughs> they ain't paying me. Enough. We got to, we got to, we got to put a, we got to put a, uh, what? Go. Um, also, um, Lisa Simpson's granddaughter. Okay. All right. So, uh, and you got the greatest dimples. Thank you. We got to make sure we get a picture of, of, of all you guys. So to show the dimples. I've always wanted dimples, and God didn't give me dimples. So <laughs> I, I always tell people I love their dimples. So, uh, all right, we're going we're gonna to hear from you a little bit later too, okay, uh, because, because uh, your story, some people need to be encouraged by you as well because yeah. you're, you're a strong woman, I can tell. I just met you, but you're, I, I know you're a strong woman. All right? Mm-hmm. So you sit tight. We'll get back to you. And, and uh, Lisa, we'll get back to you too. When it when it's when Richard hits the time into the story where he uh, he meets you guys, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. So Richard, it's time for a background check. All right. Okay. Um. So, where are you from? Uh, where'd you grow up? Brothers, sisters, mom, dad. You know, family intact, divorce. You know, kind of give us a baseline of of uh, of your life at at a young age. Oh well. I'm the youngest of three kids. I got two older sisters. One's two years older than me, one's four years older than me, Pam and Ginger. And um, my parents, they're still together. They've been together like 50-something years, probably about 55, something like that. Wow, that's amazing. Yes, sir. And, uh, I mean, you know, I was born in Corsicana, way out <clears throat> in the middle of the, you know, the woods. And, and then right around five, we moved to Houston. And uh, I grew up in the Pasadena, Texas area. And, you know, I was a good kid. You know, we went to church and all that type of stuff. And um, I was a good kid. And then probably right around 12 years old, everything just fell apart. You know, I started doing drugs and, you know. Why, why, why 12 and why did, it start, why did you start doing drugs? What was going on in your life? Well, I was, I was hanging out with, with, you know, some guys that were a little bit older and, you know, they were experimenting with the drugs. Okay. And, I, you know, I wanted to be accepted. So yeah. nothing major in your family happened. I mean, obviously your parents are still together, so that no divorce, nothing. You just you hanging around the wrong kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, my parents had a little bit of trouble for a while. You know, my dad was drinking and stuff. He was a truck driver, so he was okay. gone a lot. And um, you know, and me and him had you know conflicts here and there. How did that impact you? Him being gone a lot. Did you, did you wish he was a little more present? Oh, absolutely. You know, because at that time I didn't understand the fact that he was working to try to provide for right. us. You know, all I knew was, you know, like. He wasn't he, there when he, he needed Yeah, him. he says he's going to be there and he's not there, you know, gotcha. because a load took him a different direction okay. or whatever, you know. 
And so that's all I knew, you know. And so just that, that hurt and that anger, I would just, you know, hold it inside. I would just, you know, because I didn't want nobody to know. And uh, But inside, you know, I was crying and stuff, you know. And uh, But, um, you know, I just felt alone. Yeah. And so you started hanging around those people to – so uh, you have some sort of community, right? Got yeah. into drugs, drinking too yeah, at 12? Drinking, drinking and, uh, you know, drinking wasn't really my problem. You know, it's just that the the uh, I got a, like a real addictive personality and I'm like a thrill seeker. And, you know, so it was always I want more. I want, you know, if I got this high this time, well, next time I want to yeah, get yeah. that much higher, you know, and. And it just buried me real fast. So, what did that do to your high school? What did your high school look well, like? When I all the way up to seventh grade, I was like an honor roll student. And by halfway through seventh grade, I just quit doing my work. And I failed seventh, and then I failed it again the second year, and they placed me to eighth grade. And so I failed eighth grade, and they placed me to ninth grade. Wow! And because uh, they were trying to get me out of school. Yeah. And, you know, because I, I was always fighting and everything else. And so they were like, man, we're going to get this kid out of the school. And so ninth grade I went, and I went like two weeks in ninth grade. And I'm like, man, I'm done with school. And so I got, I, you know, I was back and forth getting locked up because I, I used to steal a lot of cars. And so I stole a car every day, every single day. High school? Yeah. High well, school? I was junior high. <laughs> wow, man. Yeah. And so I was, you know, I was in and out, in and out of jail all the time. And um, and so when I quit school, shortly after that, you know, I went right back to TYC, and that's where I got my GED at, and it was TYC. TYC? And juvenile. Okay. Yes, sir. And then um, did you go straight from TYC to, like, what, what, when did you commit the crime that landed you in with, with your long time? Well, the shameful fact is that I got out of TYC in November of 89, and the crime, which was the murder, happened the same day. You know, I was I was out, like, right around 15 hours, and it happened. You know, and I was high as a kite, drunk as a skunk, you know, and a friend killed his uh, girlfriend, or ex-girlfriend, and I was there, and... Then later on, you know, I wouldn't cooperate with authorities and all that, so I got certified stand trial. So you were convicted the, by the party law? No, actually, back then there wasn't a law of parties. It, it was, wasn't. No, it's if you were there, you were guilty, which is basically the same, same thing. thing. Yeah, they yeah. just made it. They just put it. In they writing formalized and made the, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. All right, so you were, and well, my biggest deal was, you know, I wouldn't cooperate because they come to three of us were sixteen, one guy was eighteen that was there, and so they offered all three of us the deal to stay in juvenile if we would turn on him. Said, blame everything on the 18-year-old, we'll send him to prison, and y'all stay in juvenile till you're 17 and a half, we'll get you out. And I wouldn't do it. And so I got certified stand trial as an adult. The two guys that did it were, were the juveniles, so they pled guilty to murder. They stayed in juvenile, and then when I went to trial, they blamed everything on me. Hmm. And so I got 99 years. I got 99 years and, um, you know, got sent to prison. 99 years as a 16 16 yes sir what did that do to you man well i hit uh did you even comprehend that no it was like you know when the judge said it it was just you know i really didn't even know what he said you know what i mean it was could have been just three years or yeah it it didn't matter at that time you were just it was so unbelievable you know 
And, wow. Uh, and I heard somebody crying, you know, in the back. And I turned around and looked, you know, my, at my mom. And, uh, no, actually, it was my sister. My sister was crying. And my best friend, you know, a guy, he was crying, you know, shame. And, you know, and then I realized, man, they just gave me 99 years, you know. Mm -hmm. And it really wasn't until I got back to the jail, because then they locked me up. They put me in SEG after that because they didn't want me to act a fool. And so they locked me in SEG, which probably ain't a good thing, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It was something nope. like that going nope. on. But um, I opened up a newspaper, and they had a 99-cent sale. And so you just saw 99 you know, everywhere, everywhere. In, in the newspaper, and wow. it was just like, you know, and so I just, I was just crushed, you know, I just bawled my eyes out, and then that was probably the last time I cried, you know, I was like, okay, suck it up, let's do it, you know, you got your, you got the tears out, Yeah, it's time. So was faith involved in your family at all growing up? Uh, my parents, my grandparents, you know, I, I mean, you know, you always hear about the, you know, the praying grandma. But you, you grow, you growing up, did you go to church every Sunday, all that? Yeah, okay. I wanted to be a preacher whenever I was a kid. Okay. Because one of my uncles was a preacher and I, I really did. I wanted to, I wanted to preach and, you know, and I just, I just went the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Me too. All right. So, uh, what was your first unit you were in? I hit Beto one. Wow, right off the bat, huh? Yes, sir. I hit beat one and uh, it was pretty rough. Yeah. You fighting a lot? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Were you little? I was 132 pounds. Oh, gosh. And blonde hair, blue eyes, and it was rough. Ooh. There's so many things I want to ask you, but, you know, I, I just don't know that, you know, we need to talk about it all. You spent 30, 32 years? 31. 31? Um, when when did you come to know Jesus in, in in a way you've never known him? That would be May nineteenth, two thousand twelve. Okay, and which was, you know, a long way from the beginning. You know, in the beginning was Beto, then Ferguson, then Connolly, then Darrington, then back to Connolly. And I'm actually going to go back to those years, but I want to I want to go ahead and skip to the encounter that changed your life. And let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. Um, so how did that come about? What unit were you on? Were you in your cell at a service? What what, what was going on? Well, I was I was on WIN unit, and we had a warden, Warden Pittman, yep. which I'm sure you've heard of. Him. Yep. And they were doing the Emmaus Walk, which was locking people in the chapel for three days. And a friend of mine, Michael Kirkenau, he's always talking about Jesus, you know. And, and, and I, you know, we were so cool, I couldn't just – you know push him away but at yeah. the same time i'm like man i don't want to hear about your jesus man you know that's your business let me do mine we're still cool we're still friends and you know he just kept on kept on and 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 but you know then when the emmaus walk starts everybody started talking about the emmaus walk yeah and you know how great they were how spectacular how the spirit was moving all you know and i'm just like yeah okay whatever you know what i mean it's a church service you know how how good can a church service be you know and um anyway a friend of mine named Fred, we were like super tight. Us three were really tight. And he got locked up and he gave his life to God in, in lockup. And so when Mike heard about it, he come back and he's like, you're next. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, dude, man, leave me alone with your Jesus, you know. And, and so, you know, an Emmaus walk was coming up shortly after that. And he's like, man, I can get you in it. I'm like, man, there's no way you can get me in it. There's like a long waiting list, and you know, I'm not, 
you know, with the inside click and all that type of stuff. He said, man, you give me the word. I said, well, look, I'll say yes. And when I go to the mass walk and I come out and I tell you your God ain't real, then leave me alone. I said, never, never mention Jesus again. And he's like, that, that's a deal. He said, yeah, that's he a said, good deal. Yeah, he said, there's no way you can yeah, walk in that chapel for absolutely. three days and come out and say, God ain't real. He said, he said, and I'm like, you can't get me in anyway. And he took off right then and, you know, made it all the way to the chapel, talked to the chaplain, come back, didn't say a word to me. And um, then when they did the lay-ins, I got a lay-in for it. And I'm just like, man, you know, and, and my deal was like, well, I'll go to this mayor's walk and I'll just – you know, chill for three days, get to sleep in the air condition. Heck yeah. Uh, so, it, you know, it was all good. You know, we get to eat good. And, but the, the last day, two people from, from your family can come in and, and actually attend the church service. Yeah. And so I was like, you know, my, my mom, she hadn't been in church in a while, you know, and because, you know, my conviction and my lifestyle had, you know, kind of shook her faith a little bit, you know, and I'm like, well, th- at least this will get her into church. You know, for one day. Yeah. You know, and so I said, well, that'll be the good thing. You know, at least I'll get my mom into church. Even though it's a prison church, I'll get my mom into church. And, uh, you know, so that first night, it was like, man, God was just talking to me right off the bat. You know, he's like, I got you here. You're going to listen to me. <clears throat> and I was just, oh, no, 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 you know what I mean? And then Saturday came, and uh, Pastor Wells was preaching. And I'll never forget it because his, his, you know, his, his uh, sermon was was called "You Traded It In," and he was talking about you know all the good things in life, all the things that you say that you love, that you care for, and all that. You traded it in <clears throat> for your crime, you know, for being in prison, you know, because you made the choice that you made to commit your crime to go to prison or whatever, and so your lifestyle, you chose your lifestyle over these things that you say that you love and you care for. And so it was like, man, everything that he was saying was just hitting me. You know, it was just, you know, the spirit of conviction was just so heavy on me that, you know, and I was just like, God, I don't know what to do. You know, because I did every, everything he just said. Yeah. I did that, you yeah. know. I'm guilty of, of every bit of that. And, you know, because I traded it in. I say that I love my mom. I say that I love my dad. But what did I do? You know, I traded them in. You know, they're having to come up here get past searched and strip you know past search and stuff just to come visit me and you know they yeah. go through all the harassment they they visit me all around the state of texas every two weeks hmm. you know for over 30 years well until COVID hit you yeah. know and um and so it was like you know pastor wells was talking straight to my spirit you know that that yeah you did all of this but god said you know i can make it right you know because i, w- I was weighed so down he's, he's like man i can make it right and it's like he just gave me a touch of peace. Amen. And it, it was just so good, you know, because well, you know, I, I, there was so much just yeah. anger and, yeah. and just rage inside of me, you know, against authority, against everything, you know, against whatever, you know different race, different gangs, different whatever, you know. And, uh, you know, but that wasn't me. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that wasn't who I was, you know, before the system, before I got into the institutions and, and you know, and, and learned to live that lifestyle, you know. And, uh, 
So, you know, he touched me with that peace, and it was like, man, that, that's what I want. Yeah. That's amazing. So that was 2012. That was 2012. So you came out of there, and what did you say to Mike? <laughs> well, actually, you know, the guys that had already been there, they could come back, you know, for the service. And so uh, I was actually up front, and, you know, we were praising and worshiping. Just, I mean, you know, you've been on the wind unit. You yep. know the praise and worship. And so, it was, you know, everybody was just praising and worshiping, standing up, up up front. Man, I didn't even notice my family come in the door. You know, and I thought that was going to be the most important thing. Yeah. And it was, man, it was all about God. You know, we were so focused on God. We didn't even see him coming in the fire door, you know. And Mike come up, you know, and he just hugged me, and he's just like, man. He said, you ain't got to say nothing else. Yeah, he <laughs> already know? knew that you knew God was real. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, he said, man, you ain't, you ain't got to say nothing else. So, <clears throat> man, you know, I know a lot of probably bad stuff happened to you before then. Uh, some your choice because, you know, whatever the anger inside of you, and some probably that just happened because that's prison. Um once you knew God was real, how did your life change? What what were some immediate immediate changes mm -hmm. that you noticed, and then what are some changes that took place over a period of time? Well, I mean, I always got to go back to that peace, you know, because I was always wound so tight before that. You know, I was just ready to spin off at any minute, you know, and um, but I just found, you know, just so much peace and amidst the storm you yeah know, the storm yeah. of life because nothing else changed around you you're yeah. still in prison you're still locked up you're mm. still in that same dorm so it's kind of like david when he was hiding in the cave you know exactly and he, he would say spend three or four verses talking about how bad it was and then the next verse he's like but i praise you oh god well nothing yeah. changed yeah. they were still out there with arrows waiting to right. kill him and all that mm -hmm. but he just had that peace yeah you got and that so. peace and your perspective changes where you know it's like before you know certain things were, were important and then when when you find god a lot of that stuff's not even important no more yeah so let's talk about perspectives and and things that are were important before you gave your heart to god you know because were you affiliated with the gang oh yes sir I, I was aryan brotherhood okay so you so you knew what community was all about yes sir uh you didn't mind being in a small group uh you know mm -hmm. and uh did you have any kind of rank in there yes i was a captain okay and so you had a job to do. You had you had you had a job description, and so uh, when when this happened, your encounter with Jesus, you know, talk about that transition. Well, the the probably the the hardest transition was calling somebody of another race brother, and I was struggling with it, struggling with it, struggling with it, and you know, and and so I went to to Richie, who was. The, the chaplain's uh, clerk and I'm like man I I, I can't get over it you know because I, I grew up like this this is all I know you know I don't understand it and but the Bible says you know there ain't no Jew there ain't no Greek we're all one in Christ you know what I mean because it's spirit and so I was like man I don't how can I call somebody you know my brother you, you wanted know? to but you just didn't know how well I knew I was supposed to yeah and I don't know if I even wanted to. 
Oh, yeah. You know, because of, of because what, was, of what inside. was already inside. Yeah, it. exactly. And uh, the funny thing is, you know, you mentioned Reggie earlier. And, you know, Reggie was the person that I was brought to to pray for me to help me get over racism. And he actually struggled with the same yep. issue, you know, whereas mine was, was, you know, one way his was the opposite. And so, you know, he was the one that, that, that prayed, you know, and so it's just like, wow. When you look back on that, on that time of your life, I mean, in, 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 in the light of who you are now, is it weird to go, man, how in the world did I think that of another human being? Absolutely. Another image bearer of God, yes. you know, uh, because we all bear his image. Not everybody's a child of God yet because right. they haven't given, but we all bear his image because he created us in his image. So we all bear his image, but we're not all children yet. But we're, we're taught as Christians to look at other image bearers with love, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what you call somebody friend, we're supposed to love them. Um, enemy well the bible says we're supposed to love them too mm-hmm. <laughs> you know there's they, we're supposed yeah. to love everybody and right that, and that sucks sometimes <laughs> yeah it, it does and, and you know it was just uh you know another guy cedric powell you know before i was saved with mike me fred and mike would always eat we you know we'd make a spread we'd always make extra and each person would rotate and give it to somebody you know we give it to them off the top we don't yeah. give them scraps you know yeah. And so, you know, we're not giving you extra food, so you got to wash the bowl. And so, you know, so we're giving it, giving it to him off the top. Well, Mike took it to Cedric Powell, who's a blackout. Now, was he had he already given his heart to the Lord at that point? Or was he still oh, in Mike, the gang? Yeah, Mike. No, Mike was Cedric. Oh, Cedric. Yeah, he he was. He was already out of the gangs, and he was yeah. he was in the church. All right. Yes, sir. And uh, I went to high school with Cedric. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, Mike gave Cedric. You know part of our spread and so me and fred were like hey man what are you doing dude you know you can't do that man and he's like he's hungry i'm gonna feed him you know not only that he's my christian brother we're, we're, look, we're like look man if that's your christian brother and you want to feed him we're going to eat with him you know we're not going to eat with you no more wow and so this was even after you gave your heart to the lord no this was before still before right, okay right I before and so right after i gave my life to god i'm i'm back there getting ready for work and Cedric always sleeps sleeps in early because he didn't have to go to work. He's working in the chapel. And that morning, he's wide awake. And God is telling me, hey, you owe this man an apology. Wow. You know, and, and so I was fighting that. But God said, man, you owe this man an apology. You wronged that man for no reason at all besides yeah. his skin color. And so I had to walk up to Cedric and tell him, hey, man, I wronged you. You might not even know about it, but I wronged you, and I just want to apologize. And he's like, man, I knew about it as soon as it happened. Mm-hmm. He said, I've been praying for you this whole time. And so, you know, the lesson right then was, was, was you know, very, very apparent that, man, even when somebody wrongs you, you're supposed to pray for them. Yep. You know, not against them, not yep. for, you know, lightning to strike them or whatever. You're supposed to pray for them, you know. And that's what Cedric had been playing, you know, praying for blessings upon my life, that I would surrender my life to God and, you know. Even though I wronged him, yeah, he was praying nothing but the best for me. Yeah, you know? it's so hard to do, but man, when you can get to that point, it's just—it's almost freeing. It's like—it's like when you begin to find yourself praying for somebody else that's wronged you. That's when you're at a level of freedom that is just incredible, mm-hmm. and and the 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 weight just begins to lift off of you, 
and and it it almost helps you more than it actually helps the other person, you know. <laughs> yeah, because they don't so, even know. You I know. know. I didn't know, I know he was praying for me. Yeah. So, all right. So um, you're saved now, and you, you live with the Lord, and and you don't ever make any more mistakes after that, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, how, how did your life change after that what are some things that took a while to to, to change well the things that, that probably took a while to change was you know I, I grew up I like to fight yep. you know and I was real quick to fight and so you know swallowing my pride was, was that's a, hard was especially a, in prison oh my god it's, <laughs> it's a bitter pill to swallow now, one thing that helped me, though, was my prior reputation. Yeah. And so when I gave my life to God, a lot of guys still didn't want to mess with me right. because they, they yeah. knew who the old me was, you know. And they're like, well, if you if you push him too too far. That old man, my <laughs> old Richard might come out, so yeah. let's just be nice to him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, I, you know, a lot of people respected my decision because they knew that I wasn't just going to claim a Christian and hide behind the Bible because I don't need to hide right. behind nothing, you know, because I've been standing on my own. Now, yeah, now was 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 the uh, was the AC looking for any blood out or what? I mean, what, uh, what were mean they? AB. AB. What, what would you say, Aaron no, Brotherhood? Aaron Brotherhood. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, uh, I left in good standing. Okay. All right. Didn't have to fight anybody. No, sir. That's good, was, man. I got crossed out by internal politics. Yeah. And uh, you know, at first I was out in bad standing, and so you know it was whatever comes. You know, I'm going to get you before you get me. And that's what I told everyone. I still lived on the same tank with them. I never asked the administration to move me. And the truth came out in the end. And, you know, and so I was, you know, without revealing too much, because like I said, I'm, on, I'm in good standing with them. But, you know, the same uh, punishment that was assessed on me, I could have assessed on the person. And I instead I chose, I said, just let me walk. I said, let me let me walk away, and I said, man, I done put it in the dirt, you know, just just let me walk away. So y'all, you know, that's awesome. And you know, and that was God because yeah. I knew too much information to ever walk free. Yeah. But God blessed blessed me to walk away from that. Now, in your uh, growth in the Lord and your journey and serving the Lord, were you able to ever sow seeds in anybody else that saw your transition and your encounter with God and? Oh, absolutely. Come on out. Absolutely, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, I get, you know, texts and stuff from guys all the time that, that I poured into their life. You know, maybe they were in the same lifestyle I was, you know, and, and even like with the diesel mechanics, you know, I worked in the school, the diesel mechanic school for eight years. And so, you know, there's a guy right now that calls me, he's mechanicing, you know, and he's thanking me because, you know, I'm paying his bills because of something I gave him, you know, in fact, I'm, I'm walking them through an engine rebuild right now. Nice, you know? nice. And, but it's just, it, you know, it's just so beautiful, man, that, that, that God, will, you know, he'll give you something, he'll grant you something, and then you give it away. Yeah. And it just blesses somebody else, man. Absolutely. It's just like, man. It, it's, so when you made parole, what was it? An FI what? FI 6. 6? All right. So uh, before, you, before you got the FI 6, um, what, were, what was going through your mind with parole? I mean, were you getting one-year set-offs at that point, or were you still getting two and three? I got one three and six twos. So I had 15 years' worth of set-offs. And, and to be honest with you, I'd already accepted that I was going to die in prison. Okay. And so, you know, and I made the promise to God. I said, man, you know, because uh, God gave me Acts 16, 26. 
and you know, and they're praising the worshiping in, in prison, the gates pop open, the chains fall off, but they still stayed in prison testifying about the Lord. And so that that was my verse that I held on to. It's like, you know, okay, God can open the doors, he can make the chains fall off, but while I'm here in prison, I need to praise and worship and testify. And um and so I felt like God was telling me he's gonna let me out eventually. And so when I got that verse, it was six years later before I got out. And I made that promise to God. I said, this right here will be my ministry ground, you know. And so. Uh, so at what point in your uh, sentence did um, uh, Deanna and, and Second Look Epicenter contact you and start working on that deal? It was that uh, there was another guy there that had like a flyer or something from him. And. It was probably 2014, somewhere around there. Yeah, so a couple years after you gave your heart to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, you know, I heard about it, and so I wrote them, and then they wrote me back, and, and I put my mom in touch with them. So my mom was in touch with Deanna. And so it's, it, it was almost like they scooped me up, took me under their wing, yeah. and, yeah. and they, they were just – you know, always writing, encouraging, you know, cards, whatever they could, you know, do to to try to lift me lift me up, you know, and keeping me informed and, <clears throat> you know, always giving me uh, notifications about what they were working on yeah. so that I could share it with everybody else that were second lookers. That's amazing. amazing. She's amazing. She she really is. She uh, she didn't want to do the podcast at first, and uh, but but – I caught her right at the right time because I <laughs> caught her right before um, uh, legislation mm-hmm. started. And so I was like, hey, we can talk about the second look bill, you know, and all that. And so she's like, all right. She was like, I can't believe I let you talk me into this. But, uh, you know, it's it's just the right timing. I'm like, well, it's it's time. It's time. So yeah. she's amazing. Her you know, and I, Leo I, listen, and everybody. I listened to that one. I, I heard that podcast. My mom actually said, hey, Deanna's on. And so we sat there at the, at the kitchen table. Nice, you know? nice. All right, so you, you got out, and uh, where'd you do your FI-6? I, I went to the GIST unit in Beaumont. Okay. Did substance abuse for six months. What was that like? It was terrible. Yeah. It was terrible because, you know, we're right in the middle of COVID. You know, I actually made parole at 30 years, but it took me a year to, to get out afterwards <laughs> because there wasn't no transfers right. and all that. And I, t- I caught COVID myself, you know, and – um. And so I'm seeing people, you know, dropping like flies all around me, just dying. And I'm thinking, man, that's... Well, that's what I was going to ask, too, what, what COVID was like uh, oh, in man, prison. It was, it, it was brutal. It was brutal because you can't get away from it. Yeah. Like, I caught it because my celly went went on the medical chain for emergency surgery. Mm. Caught COVID in the hospital, came back, but he didn't know he had it. And, he, you know, he brought it back to the cell. They put him right back in the cell with me. And I can't get away. Yeah. I, I'm stuck in the cell with him. So now I got COVID. He's got COVID. And it, it almost killed him because mm. he had just had that surgery. Wow. And, um, you know, and, and that's all my thought was, was, man, I, I served 30 years, made parole, and now I'm going to die from COVID. Well, yeah, and I read statistics out here. Uh, I guess it was probably somewhere mid-2021. mid, mid And they, they were listing people that inmates who had died of COVID and the percentage of them who were within a year or less of getting out. Mm-hmm. 
and because we were out here, we we're like, let some of these people go that are within so have have already made parole. Yeah. That was the big thing we were trying to fight for. We didn't know how to fight because there was, you know, it, the people that had made FI sixes. Mm-hmm. You know, what if you got COVID and died while you're waiting? We, we were trying to get them to say these programs, these yeah. showgrams. That's it. <laughs> that, that that you're wanting them that that you think are necessary for them. They can do this outside yeah. in parole. They can do. They can take these exact same classes when they get out. Let mm-hmm. them get out. Let them be taken care of out here and not get and not get COVID. And uh, and it was it was heartbreaking, man. I mean, it was sad when the C. I mean, I felt bad for the COs too because mm-hmm. they were being made to come into work. They were being made to oh, to yeah. work around this, you know. And and they were they weren't any. They were barely more protected than y'all, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and well, Chaplain Shabazz went yeah. over there at Winion and he yeah. got him and his wife died from COVID. And we had a couple from the Hutchins unit that died that I that I knew that I got to see when I'd go in to, in to speak. And so it's just heartbreaking. Uh, I think they could have handled, I think, TDCJ. I mean, for all they're doing now and trying to make it a better place now with the tablets and different things, they're just, man, every, they're just so slow on everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and I hate that the legislation out here is so slow on, on changing some laws and changing some policies, but hopefully man, second look and some other things there were Richard, there was four over 400 criminal justice, criminal justice reform bills introduced in last legislation. Mm -hmm. And only two of them got a serious look, the Richard miles act, which passed. And then the second look, which made it to the governor's desk. That was it over 400. And, I, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's just whatever the leadership is thinking in our state, it, they don't want criminal justice reform at all. Right. You know, and that to me, that includes parole reform because our parole system needs 100 percent revamped. Yeah, because, I mean, there, there's, you know, like my case, it's like I've been pretty much disciplinary free for years and, and I got two college degrees, two vocationals, every class that, that could be taken I took and um and I was still just getting set off for the same thing, which was, you know, always nature of offense. Yeah. And it's like, well, I can never change the you can nature never change of offense. that. Why yeah. am I even parole eligible? You know, somebody at one point said that 15 years was enough because I had to serve 15 because I'm under the old law. And so somebody somewhere said that's enough time. Yet parole is choosing to say that's not enough time, you know, and – so it was like, you know, in fact, on one of my setoffs, that's what it said, that I hadn't served enough time. Mm. It's like, well, how much is enough time? Yeah. And that's why I think they're going to always get it wrong until they bring somebody like us onto the parole board and the parole, different parole boards to be able to lend some credence to, okay, let's look at that file. Let mm-hmm. me see. Oh, okay. This guy's done nothing. And you, and you want to vote for him to be let go. Oh, this guy's got two degrees and he's been in there 15 years, and you don't want to let him go, this mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. But they don't know how to compute. They don't know how to compute re- rehabilitation because the system is not about rehabilitation. It's right. about punitive. Right. It's about punishment. And yeah. so they don't know how to compute that when they see rehabilitation on a paper, how that translates into a, a human being mm-hmm. and how they're a different person. Right. And so until they get somebody like us that's done time, that's being able to lend some credibility to their decisions. They're going to, they're going to always get it. Right. They're going to get more wrong than right. And that's why, that's why a lot of, they let a lot of people go that end up going back. But they shouldn't, right. Because they're not ready. Well, know? I ain't gonna lie. I mean, if they had gave me parole at 15 years or 
maybe even the 18 years, I probably would have went right back. Yeah. You know, and just my my attitude was, wasn't right, you know, and, and I probably would have went right back. Yeah. Well, you're not going back. Oh, no. You've been out for a little over a year. And um, in that year, in that year, you've um, you've not only served the Lord, but uh, you found um, you found somebody you found somebody to serve the Lord with you. And uh, her name is his her name is Lisa. And we're going to bring Lisa back into the conversation. Lisa, how are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing good. You can you can set the headphone to this part and just set it rest on your head. Okay, perfect. Let me get a picture of that real quick. Um, it, it, she's fine. And so, uh, so Lisa, you were just what going about your whole life, you know, uh, serving the Lord yourself. Yes and no. Yes and no. Okay. Uh, I don't know much about you, and uh, and so I'm just kind of flying by the seat of my pants here. So, um, but I know you're engaged to Richard. Yes, sir. And so I have a couple questions. I want to know how you met Richard, uh, why you decided to continue seeing Richard, what attracted you uh, uh, to you, to him about you. Was it his uh, blue eyes? Um, was it, is his scruffy beard? You know, um, what 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 is it? How'd you meet him, and and why are you still with him, and why are you going to commit to the rest of your life with him? Well, we met on Facebook dating. Facebook date didn't even man didn't even know there was such a thing. Neither did we. Yeah. Well, and, cool. Um, so is it kind of like other dating apps, you know, like? Yeah, I guess so. You guess? You I've never been on them before. Okay. So, well, no, one time, but that's how we met. And what attracted me to him was his faith. His faith? Yes, sir. Okay. What about it? It was so strong. And How did you know? you just going by what you see on Facebook. Oh, no. We started talking, you know, texting. Yeah? And it was just... You know, everything when you first saw him on, on Facebook dating, right? Because y'all were you saw each other on Facebook dating. Okay. I don't understand Facebook dating yet, but you you were both on Facebook and you weren't friends. Mm-mm. But then you saw Facebook dating app and you saw each other on the app somehow. Who saw first? Who saw who first? I liked her picture. You her. liked her picture first, mm-hmm. and so it gives her the option to like me back. Like you back. All right. What'd you like about her? Well. Her looks, I mean, because you her, look at the picture curly, first. Curly, long, curly brown hair. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and just, I don't, and I noticed that she lived close to me. Okay, proximity is always good. Yeah, and so I'm like, well, you know, we can be friends and just see where it goes. All right, and that's basically what you said to her. You said, let's just be friends, see where it goes, and who who asked who out? What did y'all do? What was your first date? <laughs> Our first date was... Um, and a truck stop for coffee. Okay. Well, truck, because his coffee schedule. truck stop is really. I mean, <laughs> truck co- truck stop coffee is really good. He went to work so early in the morning in my work schedule, and I had the kids, so yeah. it was just a few minutes. We would stop and have coffee, and we would just kind of talk. Okay. Needed to be in a, you know, because it was online. Yeah, you don't know each other you know, yet. Been around. And it did was you just know? Did you know he'd been to prison and locked up thirty years yes. at that point? Okay, so you knew that. I didn't know he'd been locked up for thirty-one years, but I knew he'd been in prison. Okay. Uh, when we started talking, 
you know, was it on his profile or did that come out after y'all started talking? No, it was on his profile that okay. he'd been in prison. I, I put it on there. I said, That's at the good, end, smart. I said, I said, you know, just in case you need to know, I have been in prison. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And what'd you, what'd you think when you first saw that? Didn't, didn't phase you? No. All right. Everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. Um, we but started, not everybody makes mistakes that sends them to yeah. prison. Yeah. <laughs> She's never been to prison. You've never been to prison? No. <laughs> but you've made mistakes, right? Absolutely. All right. Okay. So, so that didn't bother you? No. All right. And then, and then who asked, who out like on past the coffee truck stop date? He did. He did? Mm-hmm. What was your next date? Um, A different truck stop? No. I want to say Huddle House. Huddle House. Why have oh. I heard of the Huddle House? It's like a it's right off the highway, isn't it? Yeah, it's on 190. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, well, the first date at Charlie's, or there's another Huddle House somewhere that I've been to. Oh, probably. So. I've heard of the Huddle House yeah. before. The first date when we when we came out, it poured rain on us. And so the second day at Charlie's, we, there was a hailstorm. I wow. Mean, and so it's a stormy relationship so far. <laughs> that, that's what you know. I had to go to God. I'm like, God, are you telling me something or what? And, and I felt like God said, no, I was just giving y'all some extra time to talk. Nice. Because, you know, we sat back down and said, man, I'm not fixing to go out of that hill. And she's like, no, I'm not either. Nice. And so we sat back and, you know, the restaurant was closed, but they're like, man, y'all stay in here until it quits. Oh, romantic. So, so we spent nice. you know, a couple more hours, you know, just talking because the hill storm. This is great. This is great. I'm loving this. So, um, Richard, had you ever, you'd never been married because you went in it. At no. 16. You didn't get you didn't marry any inmates that I know about? Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, have you been married before? Yes. Okay. And so going into this, were you even thinking? Because you're engaged now. So at, at some point, y'all thought about marriage. But going into it, weren't even thinking about it. Not on the first date. No. Not, not on the, the, the hail date. Not on any of that. No. At what point? At what point did, did you figure, did you think about marriage before he proposed? Or no. like, or at least this is somebody I could spend the rest of my life with. She tried to run from me. Yeah, playing it, hard to get, huh? No, it was just I knew he'd just been out. Yeah. He hadn't been out very long. He had his entire life that he was making up for. So you were almost thinking, I don't want to get in Hinder. his way mm-hmm. of experiencing life and i didn't want my heart broken yeah been there done that yeah. and i knew he was not ready for anything and granted i i would pick him up because i was he didn't know where i lived for the longest time <laughs> nice <laughs> and so hey, that's that's very that's a very safe thing to do but again i had my grandchildren yeah so it was one well, of tell us things. about the grandchildren I have custody of my five grandchildren. Um, my oldest daughter, their mother, is locked up in prison. Okay. And but I got them. I got custody of them before she went to prison. Okay. And it's every day is a learning experience. Now, how long? So this is your daughter in prison. Yes, sir. How long has she been in prison? Uh, two years. Two years. What unit is she on? Uh, she's at the Plain State. Plain State. Okay. In Dayton. Okay. Yes, I don't sir. think they have tablets yet. The Lane Murray unit has tablets, but they're going to be getting tablets soon. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So uh, she's been there how long? Two years. Two years. And Sophia, you're 12. Yes, sir. You're 12. All right. We're going to get to you in just a minute. Not yet. Hold, please. Um, so 
five grandchildren and you decided to take it on there was no choice yeah and they would have been split up and you had no help you know you weren't married and were you um was there any resentment to towards your daughter i was angry yeah for the choices that she made that hurt them Mm -hmm. and so how does a phlebotomist before you met richard you were doing it all on your own how does a phlebotomist raise five grandkids on her own and not go crazy? A lot of prayer. Yeah. You take it a day at a time. How long have you been a Christian? My entire life. Awesome. My grandmother uh, raised us and my mom, you know, but, you know, being a teenager, you know, you go one way. Oh, yeah. You know. I went the wrong way several times. I did. I just didn't let anything get a hold of me. Yeah. You know, great. It's good. Yeah. I hated these kind of people (laughs) (laughs) that could do the wrong thing, but not let it get a hold of you. I did the wrong thing and it just always got a hold of me. Mm -hmm. Always got a hold of me. All right. I think my biggest deal was that I didn't want to do too much that would affect my mother. Yeah. You know, so good. She was awesome. You were considerate in in your choices. I wasn't considerate in mine. Mm -hmm. So, uh, who's your favorite grandchild? (laughs) (laughs) That smile that came on Sophia's face. Oh, man. Well, me and Sophie, she is my oldest. And me and her have a very special relationship. Yeah. And whenever I would get off of work on the weekend, she'd come and stay with me. And it was always one of those things that we, me and her mother knew before she got into trouble that Sophie would eventually come and live with me. Yeah. That was just the way it was. Yeah, yeah, that's but, cool. Now, how old are the other grandkids? Uh, 12, 11, 8, 6, and 4. Okay, so obviously Sophie, Aunt Sophia, and who's what's the other one, the 11-year-old's name? Andrea. Obviously, they are old enough to know what's going on. Uh, the 8-year-old? She did, knows. Okay, and can she... There's a difference between knowing and comprehending. Oh no, she knows. She so understands. she she um, uh, how long is your daughter looking at? How much time? Uh, she's actually uh, she got parole. Uh, we're just waiting for her to come out. Okay, all right. But so, she signed for five. Five. Mm-hmm. So there was anger from you towards your daughter. How did you feel? How did you? How did you? What, I can't wrap my head around, I mean, you were already a grandmother to these kids, so there was already certain responsibilities you had as a person in the family. But then, now you have to take this other role. And and how hard is it to navigate being their mother and being their grandmother? Very hard. Because grandmas and grandpas are fun. You know, they, they, they give sugar and candy when they're not supposed to, and they do things but then moms and dads we have to be a little more and but you're that you're that mother and grandmother now that mother role and that grandmother and so what's been the hardest part about navigating that the discipline yeah because they've been through so much already and there was just guiding them yeah to make the right decisions and 
that it's not their fault for the choices that they made. Yeah. You know. How do you, how do you, um, I imagine this part's got to be hard in using your daughter, their mother, as an example of what not to do at the same time honoring her for her she is and who you know she can be. Well, all of them except for Amelia, uh, and she's our special needs baby. They all know why Kayla's a fighter. It wasn't drugs, well, but she's a fighter. And they have the transition of, there's ways of handling things without putting your hands on somebody. You don't put your hands on somebody unless you're defending yourself. And that's that's the hardest thing right because you know siblings fight oh yeah there's four girls and a little boy and oh poor little boy <laughs> oh my gosh yeah and he's the youngest and he doesn't stand Good a thing chance. another boy's coming to the coming to the roost <laughs> but it's it's tough because they do fight yeah. and they you know growing up getting older there's different interests and you know different behavior issues yeah 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 and so that is my biggest battle okay mostly is what is one of the one of the biggest effects on them that you've seen since their mother's in prison depression yeah depression um it's hard because they know that she calls um jose which is um my grandson's dad all the time and she doesn't call them and it gets really tough you know they're growing up (laughs) she's missing out on a lot yeah this one (laughs) She's missed her childhood. She was put in a uh, an adult situation for a long time, yeah. taking care of her siblings until she come with me. Which, if it hadn't have been for her to start off with, I probably wouldn't have been able to yeah. juggle She's work help, and huh? all that. Oh yes, sir. Well, let's let's bring her into the conversation. Well, Sophie, Sophie, Sophia, does it matter? You go by both, or yes, sir, I go by both. All right. What what would you say to some other kids? Because I mean, there's a lot of kids out there that that are angry, depressed. You know, she said that she noticed depression. Did you notice that? Did you get depressed, or is the other kids? Um, and what would you say? You know. What would you say to other kids, other 12-year-old kids who maybe uh, this is like, maybe they're listening to this and, and they've never experienced this before, you know, having a, having a parent incarcerated? How, what would you say to them if they were sitting right here and they were struggling with, a, with having a parent in prison? What would you, how would you encourage them? Um, I honestly don't know. I don't know how to, like, explain it. Yeah. How do you make it? I don't really worry about it to be honest anymore. Yeah. Like I would 
keep it to myself nine times out of ten like like when she first went in like i would tell my grandma like bits and pieces of how i felt but really didn't tell anybody about it yeah how did you feel when she first went in um me and my mother were like pretty close like she told me like everything in her life and so i knew everything so like she was more of my best friend than my mom so like i never had like a mom and daughter relationship it was only best friends so like when she went to prison i i felt like i lost my best friend Mm. and um i didn't i was just sad all the time and like i wanted my best friend back what about now in a way um it kind of relieved me since i know she's in there where i can focus more on school yeah and like like being a kid um because like um in school i was always a ab student but i was also like like really like mad at everybody yeah like you know do you think your mom had some things to had something to do with that definitely yeah so do you know what it means um to have either a generational blessing or a generational curse do you know what that means no sir that means when something the way somebody acts in your family is the same way that their their daughter or their son or their granddaughter or their son it's passed down from generation to generation to generation and uh sometimes you know the bible talks about generational curses and generational blessings and um and one of the things that you know was in my my family my generation was was alcoholism and and i fell into that you know and um but what i what i determined was that it stopped with me i'm going to stop the generational alcoholic curse you know um and it's not gonna i'm not gonna pass it to my kids and so you know with your mom being angry and you admitted that you were kind of angry um you know that might have been something that she passed down to you how do you make sure that it stops with you and that you don't be don't become that angry mom that you know you didn't like about her um with my siblings i'm kind of rude to them but like (laughs) it's okay with them yeah but like in public i'm normally a very a very positive person i'm really nice to people and like like a therapist friend to most of my friends yeah actually all of them i make sure like they're okay and stuff so yeah that's so good you know sometimes in life things that happen to us like that and that force us into um grown-up situations a lot quicker than we we should be thrown into those uh, causes us to kind of grow up and mature a lot quicker. Yeah, and plus, you feel like that's happened with you. Yeah, and plus I'm way more mature than all of my friends. Yeah, um, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm the most immature of all my friends. Uh, you play sports, or what are your hobbies? What do you do? Um, recently I've um, I've always been into drawing, but now I try to like get a little bit more back into it. Yeah, and um, since I'm in sixth grade, I haven't been able to um, like do athletics that much in seventh grade you can yeah. do way more in my whole life i've always been like athletic and i've always wanted to be in athletics like my that's my like dream like in school so um at the beginning of the year i joined volleyball um it was okay but at the time um i had like low grades first it wasn't my fault why i had low grades um is because all the corona stuff the corona <laughs> stuff yeah so i i I went to fourth grade for like a li- for the middle 
of it and then i kind of got taken out to fourth and fifth and automatically got put in sixth because i took a test and i passed it um but i'm a really fast learner so it was really good i learned most of all the stuff in like one week so then after that after they kind of kicked me out of it i um i had good grades back and so i'm gonna uh join athletics next year in seventh grade awesome yeah well good luck in that good luck in that what what is it you want to see about your mom what do you hope for her future um, I hope that she's more positive and treat us like her kids, more like me, I guess, because my siblings were babied except me. I was more pushed into, like, yeah. more mature. They, My mom babied them all the time, just not me. So um, I hope my mother becomes actually a mom mom, you know, and, like, doesn't depend on me or my other sister. Yeah. Well, I will say this. Sometimes parents' lives are changed because of the actions of their kids. And and that's exactly what you said. You said, I don't know if you meant to say it, but you said, I hope she becomes like me. You know, and you're a 12-year-old kid, and you want your mom to be like you. And it's because you know who you are. You know you're very confident. You're very strong. And uh, and, and I hope your mom does turn out like you. And, uh, and I hope you all just become these awesome people, you and all your siblings. And uh, be nice to the boy. Okay, be nice to the boy. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's uh, slide this over a little bit more. I want to talk with the grandma, grandmommy. What, what do you call her? Mimi. Mimi, okay. All right. So, you guys are engaged. Yes, sir. When's the date? July 30th. July 30th. July 30th. Wow, I'm so excited. I'm going to be there for sure. I don't know how much my family's going to be there, but I'm going to be there for sure. Awesome. Um, if I tell my girls there's going to be candy or cake or anything like that, they'll probably want to come. So um, uh, just make sure you, you have some sort of sugar at the at the reception. Oh, there will be. Right. be cake. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Richard, I mean, when you met her, you know, and you found out her story, that she's raising her grandkids because her daughter's in prison, what did you think about that? Well, I... I thought I actually thought it was amazing, and I was just you know I love kids, so as far as the kids, I didn't have no problem with that. Yeah. But I also knew that's a huge, huge responsibility to take on, especially I, here I am trying to put my life together. Yeah. And but I fell in love with her, and you know it's a package deal. Yeah. You know you I, I can't just have her, you know, and and even she brought it up. She's like, you know, I'm not alone. Yeah. You know that's you know and. You. Who, who's your favorite kid? <laughs> Sophie's. <laughs> every time I ask that, Sophie poses like. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. great. Um, so what? What do you? I mean, y'all have only been dating how long? Uh, since April. Okay. Of last year. Of oh. of of last year? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's a long time. Yeah. I don't know why I thought it was shorter than that. So that's a long it's, time. It's been a oh, year. Yeah. yeah, y'all are, y'all yeah. ready to get married? Um. All right. Well, we both fought it. You know, we both didn't want a relationship. Why? Why? And uh, you both are such awesome people. Well, I mean, God just kept kept bringing us right back together, right back together, right back together. Yeah. And and you know, so it's like, um, we'd actually went up to Huntsville and we were in Huntsville and meeting with some uh, people from uh, Bethel Church. Yeah. And so we talked to them and and they were like, you know, when. When are y'all gonna get married? You know, when are you, nice. when are you gonna propose and all that? And so we left there, and went to the Three Spoons little yogurt place. Yeah, 
and that's where I proposed to her. At, and I didn't even have a ring. I didn't know you were supposed to have a ring. You'd never done it before. How would you? How would you? <laughs> yeah, know, I man. I didn't even know. So I proposed, and then. But you at least bought her yogurt, right? Yeah, I bought her. Yogurt. <laughs> there you go. And then my sister told me, uh, "You know, where's the picture of the ring?" I'm like, "I was supposed to have a ring." You know, so. so how long after that did you get the ring? Oh, how my quickly? Ne- my next paycheck. Yeah? My next Are you wearing paycheck. the ring? Let me see it. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's beautiful. He did good. That is beautiful. <laughs> That's gorgeous. We'll have to get a picture of the ring and put it on the... Um, all right. Well, uh, so July 30th. Man, this family is incredible. I don't. Need, I just met you today. I just met you today. But I feel like, I feel like I've already known, known you. And in a part of your family, the family of God, the family of choice, you know, and that's what I love about about family of choice is, um, you know, it's a family that you choose. Absolutely, you know, and, absolutely. Uh, I love them kids, man. They're they're just they're awesome. Make sure you team up with the boy and give him give him some give him a voice. Oh, I'm trying to you know teach him to be a boy because he <laughs> acts like a girl because he's surrounded by girls. <laughs> he's really really soft, you know. So it's like, hey, bro, you got to toughen did, up. Did man. y'all ever like? Put makeup on him and dress him up like you already <laughs> know. And I'm like, no, so don't do wrong, that. Yeah, so don't wrong, do so wrong. But save those pictures for when he gets out, when he gets married. Blackmail. <laughs> uh, well, how can we pray, all of our listeners? Background check, forgiven felons. How can we pray for you guys? Uh, and um, you know, and, and yeah, how can we pray for you guys? Just have God to continue moving in our lives, and open up his ministry because he's wanting to go back into the prisons and Pearl is holding that off. They still haven't gotten back to him on that. And that's a very, it's very important to him. He's, yeah. He feels very deeply about that. It'll happen. Absolutely. It'll happen. It happens with everybody eventually. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't yeah. let me go in for about a year and a half. And then uh, finally I talked to a supervisor and they're like, y'all letting him go in mm-hmm. there's so many there's so many things that they do or don't do um because of you know i mean there's some great parole officers i've i've had i've dealt with some really good christian parole officers that pretty much say admit that their hands are tied mm-hmm. you know they're not dealing with a christian system right. they're a christian working in a secular system that is strictly punitive and not rehabilitative at all and so their hands are tied and um you know with that being the case i've i've had to deal with some deal look at them have a different perspective of them you know and um because they have to deal with people not every parolee is like you and me absolutely some of them are knuckleheads you know and none of them are as good looking as me and you (laughs) and it just helps when you know you're dealing with a good looking parolee you know so why are y'all laughing so hard <laughs> so, uh, well, we I believe that God is just going to open the doors for you, and uh, and for you, you know, maybe you go in with Him. I don't know. Oh yeah, she's coming. Yeah. That's the intent. Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. And when you get eighteen, you go in and minister as well. You want to? I know my nine-year-old daughter wants to. You don't know? Maybe. We'll think about it. Think about it. Um, well, I just pray blessings on y'all and that God just opens every door, gives you everything you need financially, emotionally, physically. Um, 
gifts and surprises along the way that you did not expect friends and people that come across your path that are able to help you and elevate you guys in every single way i pray exceedingly abundantly above all you can think or imagine so make sure you're imagining really good because he's going to do above that and so so imagine well okay that's what i try to tell her all the time that you know god you know he's just so so much greater than we could ever imagine you know and so it's like don't be afraid to ask god for the best yep you know it's like you know with her we want to give her the best you know and so why would we think that god don't want to give us the best whenever we pray instead we always pray you know for the bare minimum it's like no man that's father god there's a there's a book i think called the 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 prayer circle i think by mark batterson batterson yeah and he, there's a chapter in there that talks about a uh, an Asian pastor who talks about insulting prayers, the prayers that we pray. He said he said, and he, he talked about us Americans. He said sometimes you pray insulting prayers to God because you're not praying, you're not asking Him for big enough stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so so think big, imagine big. And uh, is there anything else you got? Anything else going on? Y'all want to announce or talk about or anything, anything else? Just want to make sure you y'all shared everything you want to share. Awesome, good. We're we're good. Thank good. you guys for coming, Sophie. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, and Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. For thank you for all you do. Um, you are doing something that that a lot of women just buckle under that pressure, and you're doing it with a lot of strength and a lot of faith, and uh, I'm very impressed. God sees it. God's going to give you every bit of strength, every bit of thing, everything you need. And and he was he's part of that. He's part of giving you what you need. He is. He's actually answered prayer yeah. from 20 some odd years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I love y'all. Proud of y'all. Thank you. And uh, I'm glad. It's an honor to know you guys. It's an honor to meet you guys today. It was an honor to be honor here. Thank to be you. Here with you. All right. All right, man, I want to say thanks again to Richard, uh, Lisa, and Sophia, who are, uh, Richard and Lisa are married now. Again, they got married July 30th, so congratulations to them. Uh, I want to say a special thank you to Sophia. You know, I don't know many 12-year-olds who uh, would be able to talk about the situation like this like she did. So thank you guys for a great interview, and um, we are let's, let's, let's just lift them up in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for Richard, Lisa, and the whole family, Lord. We thank you that you are giving them everything they need, physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, that they need to uh, not just survive, but thrive. Lord, we we pray abundance uh, above all they could think or imagine over their family, over their finances, over everything, Lord. We thank you for each and every one of them. We thank you for uh, Sophia, who came on the show and shared about her mom. We thank you for her mom. We pray, Lord, that you, that you somehow uh, just grab a hold of her life and turn, just rock her world. Just rock her world. Lord, I thank you. Uh, but I thank you for the more, uh, the more family, but I also thank you for Richard Smith and his family. And now they've blended together, Lord. Thank you. Uh, give Richard and the other little boy uh, patience to, 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 you know, to hang out with all that all the females in the family 
Lord, but just teach them, show them how to be the best family ever. And uh, Lord, when the mom comes home, uh, let them be ready. Let them be ready. Father, uh, thank you for everyone listening. Thank you for the encouragement that uh, Richard and Lisa and Aunt Sophia gave everyone. Lord, we just ask you to be with the listener. Be with the listener, wherever they are, laying in their bed, uh, working out in the gym, driving on the road, uh, listening in their cell. We thank you, Lord, that there's people in prison and people out here that were just like Richard. You know, leave me alone with your Jesus. Leave me alone with your Jesus. That's your Jesus. I respect you, but leave me alone. In fact, Lord, that's how our society is today. Leave me alone with your Jesus. But Lord, I just ask that you find a way to let them run smack dab into Jesus like Richard did. And it may just be on a a walk. (laughs) Lord, touch everyone. Be with them. Lord, we we speak life over people who are contemplating suicide. We speak healing over people who are who are hurting in their body. We speak mending of relationships, uh, broken hearts, Lord. Lord, you said you are you are close to the, the brokenhearted. So, Father, I ask you to be close to people who are brokenhearted right now. Lord, I pray over people who uh, are trying to start businesses, including ourselves, uh, more streams of revenue, Lord. I pray that you just give us wisdom, ideas. Lord, let us see problems and let, let us have strategies and solutions to those problems. Lord, I thank you for this episode. I thank you for the opportunity and the platform. Lord, take it where you want to go. Lord, I'm just your humble servant. I'm just a mouthpiece. I'm just a platform for others to share their story. But you have given us this platform, and we ask you to take it where you want to. Where do you want to go next, Lord? Where do you want to go next? We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, everyone, y'all have a great week. And remember, don't let your background hold hold you back. Make it pay you back. We'll see you next week. Oh, uh, yeah, next week, next month starts National Recovery Month, and it's going to be a really kick-butt month you don't want to miss. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, And please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.